0: Thank you very much, praise team. Okay, uh, will you do me a favor? There's a light switch over there with an arrow above it. Will you turn that one on for us, please? Good morning to you. If you uh, have your Bibles, let me invite you, thank you, Maggie, to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, this morning, we're going to finish up our summer sermon series through the book of 1 Corinthians. I know we haven't seen all of it, but we've seen several parts of it, and summer has now come to a close. But I did want to look with us, uh, for us to look together, that is, at one last text in First Corinthians chapter 15. If you were with us last week, you might recall, with a little bit of help, that we talked about, we looked at this really important uh, you might call it a theological essay, this treatise of Paul, where he, he laid down this teaching showing us that Christ's resurrection was really the pinnacle of the moment that history was changed forever. Right? This was the climax. We know that Jesus has lived forever as God. We know that he came and was born of a virgin and lived a perfect life and died an atoning death. But the thing that sealed all of those things and makes sure that we can know that those things are true and real or proven was when he also fulfilled the prophecies of coming back to life. Whenever he was resurrected, it changed absolutely everything. And because that happened, and because we know that that happened, because we know that that's true, we know that for every one of us, that has faith in Jesus, that sin in our lives is no more. Sin is dead. It has no power over us. We're not condemned by it anymore. We know that death is defeated, that we don't have to fear death. It's not a worry that we have. We know that our lives are changed now, right, that we have abundant life and that we have hope and joy and peace and all these things that we have been reconciled to God, that we're no longer enemies of God but we are made children of God, that we're adopted into his family. We know that we're guaranteed that we will one day be resurrected as well. And so we know all of these things are true if we believe that the resurrection is true. And Paul said it happened. He even gave us an eyewitness account, and he called us several other people that could give eyewitness accounts. So I, I cannot stress enough, cannot oversell to you how important Christ's resurrection is for us personally and in all of human history. But after that, that's the beginning of chapter 15 and the middle of chapter 15. As Paul continues in that chapter with that line of thought, he he talks a little bit more about our resurrection bodies, right? We often call it our glorified bodies. That's how I'll refer to it most of the time today, our glorified bodies bodies. And so as we think about our glorified bodies, as we look at uh, what they look like, Paul spends some time in the middle of chapter 15 discussing those, explaining them to us. Whenever we see that, he gives us some pictures. And I just want to give you one. We're not going to spend much time there today, but this is important uh, back history for us to know today's text. But the one that I think stands out most to me is easiest to grasp in a short period of time is Paul refers to our bodies as we die here and are buried and will one day be resurrected in a glorious body. He refers to that as being like a seed. So you take a seed, right? You go out and you plant that seed in the garden or in the yard or wherever, and and as you plant the seed, you plant it as one thing, and then it grows and looks completely different, doesn't it, right? You plant... Uh, whatever it is, kernel of corn, and as it grows, that stalk of corn doesn't look anything like that kernel did, but it is still coming from that kernel, isn't it? And, And Paul says that our bodies, our resurrected bodies, our glorious bodies will be like that, that it will in some way still be us, but in some way it'll still be changed. So the seed is still the same seed but it's changed greatly, and he says it'll be the same way for us, that that when we're resurrected, it will still be us. It will still be our bodies, but they'll be changed, and they'll be changed in several different ways, and we'll look at some of those briefly in today's text. But then he finishes, so he, he starts out by saying that Christ is resurrected, and then he says, and if Christ is resurrected, then we know we'll be resurrected. And when we're resurrected, we'll have glorious bodies. And then he finishes this whole long thought with the text that we're going to look at today. So look with me in First Corinthians chapter 15. We'll begin reading in verse 50. Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Before we look at this text together, if y'all would pray with me. Father God, what a glorious morning we've had already, Lord, just in the time that we live in, to be able to gather together corporately uh, is a blessing, Lord, that we know that we don't have for certain every week. Father, I'm thankful for those that are here and for their health. Father, we pray for those that are not able to gather here with us because of many different reasons, many of them because of health. Father, we pray for them. We pray for strength for them. Father, for those of us that are here together this morning, for those that are watching on Facebook, for those that are listening in the parking lot, Father, I pray, for, Lord, I pray for clarity of mind and understanding of this text. Father, I pray that you would help us to not be distracted, but you'd give us great focus for a short period of time to hear what you have to say to us. And Father, that it would also compel us to go and to do these things the way that you'd have us to do them. In Jesus' name, we pray, Amen. All right, so so what is Paul saying here? Uh, What he's giving us here is really just this. He's continuing with the same thought, right? He just told us, or has just spent time explaining to the Corinthians that their bodies, their glorified bodies, are going to be changed. They're going to be different. They're not going to be exactly what they have now. And here we see a reason why that is. He says, and it really makes sense to us I tell you this brothers flesh and blood right our bodies as they are cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable and so he's saying these bodies as we have them now are not built to live for eternity right these are not meant to last forever I was talking to Doc this morning and Doc was telling me that he just had one of his push mowers go out Right? At more. he said he probably paid $45 for it, and he got 20 years out of that push more. That's good value, brother. But he told me that it, it, it gave out, and he had to get a new one. And that's not that surprising, because those things aren't built to last forever, are they? They're not, right? They're, they're meant for a time, they work for a season, but then they don't. And our bodies are built the same way. Those of you that have gotten past the, the midpoint of your life, whatever you want to call that. I'm not putting out numbers this morning. You know that these things start to break down, right? They start to, in and, and some ways, not be as strong, to not be as vital, to not do all the things that we want them to do. So, so Paul just simply points out that these bodies that we're given here on earth, these aren't meant to be eternal bodies, And not only that, but if we're being honest, we don't want these bodies to be what we live in for eternity, right? We don't want a body that aches and hurts and that gets sick and that breaks down and that that is marred by sin and sins that we have taken part in in the past. That's not what we want to live in for eternity. No, we want glorified bodies, we want eternal bodies. In verses 42, 43, and 44, if you want to mark that to go back and read and look at that a little bit later, Paul really lays down some of the changes that will come to our bodies. I just wanted to give you some of the words. He says that they'll be imperishable. The new bodies will be imperishable. It means they'll never decay. They'll never break down. They'll never quit working correctly. They're going to be glorious or splendorous bodies. They're going to be powerful bodies, and they're going to be bodies that are ever affected by the Spirit. They're not following the course of this world. Our glorious, our glorified bodies that we receive will never have taken part in sin, will never have any of the ill effects that sin brings about, but they will always be following after God. Those are the type of bodies that we are being given. And if you give me the choice of that kind of body or this kind of body, I'm taking that one. And Paul says that's good because that's the only kind of body that can live for eternity. So if you are planning to inherit the kingdom of God and to live with God in heaven forever, then you're going to need a glorified body. And that makes sense to us. That's point one this morning. Our resurrected bodies will be glorified bodies. And for glorified, if, if the word is not one that we use that often, if you want to say magnificent bodies, if you want to say excellent bodies, all these words have the same thing. That's what the bodies are going to be like. They're going to be amazing. That's what God has prepared for us as his children to live in forever. So we, we look forward to this, and we understand Paul's language of, of a seed growing in a plant. So we understand this idea that if our bodies are planted, that's, Paul's terminology, not mine, but if our bodies are planted in the ground, that when Christ returns and our bodies are resurrected, they're going to be glorified bodies. But what happens to people that are left alive? What if we are seeds that are never planted, right? If we're not being resurrected and we're still alive when Christ comes back, what's going to happen to us? We don't have glorified bodies. How are we going to get to go to heaven and live for eternity? Well, he addresses that in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So, so he tells us here, don't worry. There's no reason to fear if you have not died when Christ returns. It's not that you just get taken up in this body until it wears out and you're no more. He says, no, for those of us, and and he tells, it's very clear, there will be people alive when Christ returns, right? He says in verse 51, we shall not all sleep. he's talking about the sleep of death. Not everybody's going to die, but everybody's going to be changed. And there in verse 51, he's really laying down. He says it again at the end of verse 52, there's no reason to worry. If you're still alive when Christ returns, then we will receive glorified bodies. These bodies that we're in now will be changed in an instant, in a moment, he says in verse 52. And, and it's really, the word that he uses is the smallest unit of time that's indivisible in the Greek language. He says, and just like that, you will be changed. And you will also receive your glorified body. It will be immortal, immortal and imperishable. I tried to make that one word. It will be powerful. It will be a body that never breaks down in every case. You will receive that as well. And so this truth is good news for us. It doesn't matter where you are or what you are doing. When Christ returns, if you're a Christian, you're receiving a glorified body, and you're going to live in it in eternity with God. Point two, at Christ's return, all Christians will receive glorified bodies. Paul putting their mind at ease, this may seem simple to us because you expect this, but if you're living in this time that they were living in, and you're hearing this is how people are resurrected whenever they die, and Christ returns, they're going to receive glorified bodies, there's a bit of concern. Well, what about us if we don't die for Christ returns? Paul says, do not worry. You're getting a glorified body, and you're going home forever as well. When, by studying this text and preparing this sermon, I felt like Oprah... Doesn't matter if you're dead, doesn't matter if you're alive, you're getting a glorified body. You're getting a glorified body. You're getting a glorified body. We're all getting glorified bodies if we believe in Christ. This is just a quick aside because there are a lot of things, that a lot of rabbits that you would like for me to chase in this text about these glorified bodies and about eternity. A lot of them that I would like to chase that I'm not going to. I do want to point out one thing because I think it really affects the way that we hear this sermon verse 51, when he starts and says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. I love that word mystery that Paul uses here. I was at uh, continuing education thing last week, and the guy that was teaching it really spent some time talking about this. Paul uses this word in a lot of his letters. He uses it in Ephesians multiple times, and there he's referring to the gospel. But any time that Paul says that he's telling us a mystery. That word mystery in the Bible, it's talking about something that you cannot figure out on your own. No matter how much time you spent thinking about it, no matter how much time you spent studying it, you would not ever be able to figure it out on your own. These are things that have been revealed by God himself. It, It refers back to the first time, one of the first times we see this in Daniel 2, one that we know best anyways. In Daniel 2, The king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has that really bad dream, and he calls in the advisors and says, I want you to tell me the interpretation of my dream, but I want you to tell me the dream also. And they say, King, that's ridiculous. We don't know what you dreamt. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. And he says, No, you tell me the dream, and you tell me what it means. And it was a mystery, because nobody could know what the king had dreamt. Until God himself revealed that mystery to Daniel. And Paul says here in the same way, God has revealed to me this mystery of what will happen to people that are still alive when Christ returns. This whole idea of resurrection and how our bodies will be resurrected and how they will be glorious and powerful. God has revealed this himself. So why does this change how we hear the sermon? Because listen to this. This is certain. This is not something that Paul has cooked up on his own. This is not something that scholars have worked out and deduced. No, this is something that God himself has said, "This is a promise that you can cling to with all of your heart and with all of your life." God has promised that when he comes back, that we are going to receive glorified immortal bodies and we'll be going with him forever. We're not all going to sleep, but everybody's going to be changed. When that last trumpet sounds, if you are in Christ, you're going home. God's promised to us. I love that Paul tells us this is something God himself has revealed. Then in verses 54 through 57, Paul here Explains to us what having these new bodies will change for eternity, what they'll make eternity look like. Verse 54, it says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gave us, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have y'all ever heard, you ever been to a show, uh, and maybe they have a couple of opening acts, or you're watching something on TV, and, and the announcer comes on and he finally says, Now, the moment that you've all been waiting for. You ever heard that before? That's what Paul says right here. He says, listen, all of this that I've been talking about has been building up to this moment. When this happens, when the trumpet sounds and the dead come out of their graves and receive glorified eternal bodies, and wherever those of us that are left are in an instant changed to be immortal, then the thing that we've all been waiting for will be here. When this moment comes, you can be certain of this. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 25 that Maggie read for us earlier, and I want to read it for us again. And Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9, he says this, Isaiah the prophet. Again, something revealed by God. He says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death Forever. You see, Paul explains here what we already know, right? The, The sting of death is sin, right? Death is only something that you have to worry about if you're a sinful person, right? If you are guilty of your sins, if you are not forgiven in Jesus Christ, then death is something that should be extremely fearful to you. Because if you die as a lost sinner, then what happens is that your separation from God is sealed for all of eternity. Right? For those that die separate from Christ, you are going to hell forever to pay the punishment that we deserve, to receive the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. And so for those that die in sin, death has this sting, as he talks about here, Right, this venomous sting, this terrible sting. But for those that are not sinners, for those of us that don't know sin and don't know the condemnation of sin... Death isn't something that we worry about, right? Death isn't something that's scary for us. Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The idea for us is that death isn't something that we fear, but death is how we get from here to eternity, unless Christ returns before then. So death isn't something that we are scared of. It's not something that has a sting for us because we've been separated from sin. How? He tells us in verse 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Jesus lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and came back to life. And now when we believe in him, all of our sin is gone and all of our guilt is gone. And so death isn't a portal into an eternal punishment, but it's a portal into eternal heaven with God forever. But one day, even death as we know it is going to be gone. Right now, whenever we die, we're not separated from God, but our loved ones do mourn. But one day, there'll be no more death. It says that death will be swallowed up forever. There'll be no death, because in our glorified bodies, with God in a glorious heaven, we will live forever and ever and ever. And we'll never leave, and no one will ever die. And this is guaranteed, because Christ is the first fruit. We saw that last week, which is the guarantee, the down payment that proves that we will be also. Point three, Christ's resurrection guarantees our glorious eternity. If you believe that he has come back to life, then you can believe for sure that you're going to live forever. One last thing before you go. Verse 58. This tells us what the glorified body, what all this means for our eternity, but what does that mean for you right now? Right? When you walk out of here today, how does this change the rest of your Sunday? How does this change your Tuesday or Wednesday? You know how it changes things when Christ returns, but what's it change for right now? Well, verse 58, Paul ends this great long thought with this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Three things he tells us to do there. The first two I think we understand, be steadfast, be immovable. It's literally the idea of standing and not allowing anybody to be able to push you or sway you or move you from the place that you are. And it's this idea of being completely convinced of all of these truths. Right, he lays down all these truths about resurrection, that Christ is resurrected, that we will be resurrected, that when we're resurrected, that we'll get glorified bodies, that when he comes back, that death will be gone forever. And so he says, with all of that in mind, do not forget this. Therefore, because these things are true, be steadfast, be immovable, be set here think it goes back to the whole idea that he began this chapter with and in verse 1 of chapter 15 he reminded them of the gospel in which they stand and are immovable so these truths they should make it so that our hope never fades brothers and sisters if you know christ and you believe these truths then you should be hopeful even in the toughest of times even in global pandemics even when we lose loved ones Even when we lose jobs, even when things that we wanted to do are canceled, we should still have hope because those things are momentary, but our hope is eternal. It never goes away. It never changes. It never fades at all. We should always be at peace because even though the things around us right now may not seem like there are times that we could have peace in, we know how the story ends. Have any of you ever watched a series of shows or watched a movie and you've seen it once and then you go back and watch it a second time and you know how it ends and so in the middle when there are all these really scary parts or it looks like the the best people in the show are going to die, you don't worry because you know how it ends. That's life for us, what Paul says here. If you know how the story ends, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always be at peace. We should always have joy because no matter what anybody else thinks about us or no matter what anybody else says about us, the God of the universe loves you and he knows you and he listens to you and he cares about you. And then the other thing that he says, since all of this is true, if you believe this is true, then always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Be about doing the work of the Lord more and more and more, always. Why? Because we know that if we're working for the Lord, that we're never wasting our time. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So your gospel work, your teaching of the scripture to your children and your grandchildren you're teaching of the Bible to small groups and Sunday school classes you're praying for lost people that you know to be saved you're sharing your testimony with people at work you're evangelizing lost friends you're loving of other people you're using your spiritual gifts to build up other people you're giving to others you're confronting of sin, your comfort and your care and your forgiveness to others, it's never wasted. Even though it may feel like it in the moment, even though it may look like it to you, it's never wasted. Our work for the Lord is never in vain. It's guaranteed. Point four, the promise of eternity should compel our gospel work today. If I know that Christ is real and I'm going to live with him for eternity, then I should be about the work of sharing the gospel that everyone else might know and understand these things and also come to know him and live for eternity. So I ask you this question today, brothers and sisters. First of all, do you believe all this is true? That's a lot of stuff. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is a... Deep chapter that we could spend months and months studying, but from what you see and what you hear and what you understand of it, do you believe it? Do you believe the gospel with all your heart? Not just understand it, but do you believe it? Does it change your life? Do you have hope and peace and joy because you believe and know that these things are true? If not, I would love a chance to talk to you about it more. Maybe there's a certain part that you can't get over. Maybe there's something in your life that has happened that is, that is making it difficult for you to respond in truth and to understand and believe these things. I would love to sit down with you and look at some scripture with you and talk about those things and pray with you. Maybe today you believe these things for the first time and you need to make that public and share. Please come and do that. We would love to celebrate with you that truth this morning. But if you believe them then I ask, is it changing your life? And if it's changing your life, are you always about the work of the Lord? I invite you to stand this morning. Some of us, we believe these things and we have hope and joy and peace, but we're missing the last part. It's not compelling us and pushing us and driving us to share the gospel with other people, to pray for lost souls. Brothers and sisters, if we believe that heaven is real, then we believe that hell is real. And if we believe that hell is real, then we need to be about the work of the gospel. We need to be about sharing Christ with others, giving and praying and going and telling so that all might have a chance to respond to the gospel message. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to this text in some specific way, we want you to do that. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. and You can sing out of joy to tell the Lord that you need Him because that's the truth that we sing. You may need to pray where you are or pray at these altars. You may need someone to pray with you. I'd love the opportunity to do that. I want to ask you to respond however the Lord's leading you through this morning. As Brother Paul and the praise team lead us in a hymn of invitation.